Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Oh my god, censor that. Censor that. I could hear it. I could hear the purring. Is it purring? Wait. Oh, now oh. he's killing me. No. Alright, can you stop? Thank you. <laughs> he's like, no, this is actually my show. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Look at him. It's ridiculous. We're all recording, and Toulouse is having a tantrum, so I guess we need to start. Yeah, it's time. Welcome to Fiddle and Pipe. Uh, my name is Brittany Ross. I'm honestly the most important person on this podcast, okay. but I guess I have to introduce <laughs> my other... Oh god, wait, we're all soprano versions of our relative instruments. <laughs> we planned this. I'm the literal one. <laughs> Who did this? How nerdy did we just get? I mean, y'all did it. <laughs> this is the worst combination of people. You have a violinist, a flutist... The soprano. Are you kidding me? No, this is the best combination, okay? We have all the tea. We have all the good entertainment. No, no, because we're all like, in me, no, I'm right. We always have the melody. Yeah, it's entertaining. <laughs> mm-hmm. We know what's up. Exactly. We are the, we are the <laughs> stars of the show. The stars of the section. I guess I should introduce my other soprano instruments. So um, I'm violin. Ist. Not, I'm not actually a violin. Brittany is a violin. She is a <laughs> wood instrument. Gonna keep rolling with this intro. <laughs> Over explaining, we're off to a good start. I am with my co host, Catherine Fletcher, who plays the flout. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. just botched it so bad. <laughs> and we are joined today by Miss Emily Crisp, who plays the soprano voice. Hi, hi. And she's also the co-host of Mmm Conversations. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We haven't recorded in a while. It's oh, been, no. yeah, it's been a little bit of a, a period of respite. <laughs> I miss the tasty conversations Same. that y'all have. Oh yeah, we'll bring them back. They'll come back. Yes. Yay! I can't say when though. <laughs> I guess we should also introduce your cat to Luz because yes. he's like. Yeah. He will be featured well, on social media most likely. <laughs> we'll have him in the background. He will. Little to Luz <laughs> hanging out. Oh, what a sweet, yeah. sweet baby. I know. He's evil. That's so sweet. Aren't you ready? <laughs> is he going to attack your hand again? No. He is, probably. He might. He's waiting. Yep. He's like, touch me again, woman. <laughs> <laughs> touch me again. <laughs> See the pain. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> Today, we read part three of A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. Mm-hmm. And this was... um a doozy of a read so much happened yeah a lot i have six pages of notes holy crap (laughs) i had five pages in the last episode that we did for part two because that was really lengthy yeah i don't have as many notes for here but i do think this was a little bit shorter than part two i think page wise it was Yeah. yeah and but there there was just so much that happened and also, my predictions definitely changed. Like, as soon as I re like started part three, my suspect had changed. Because <laughs> I was... You're like, yep. Yeah, because Emily, in the last episode, I was like hardcore set that Daniel De Silva was the murderer. And I was like, he is oh, the guy. No. He is the guy. But I don't know. Um, after some discussion and then getting into the first part or the third part... Then my brain was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's not. But I have a theory 
later down the road about Daniel De Silva, but I don't want to get there yet because I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> you know, I'm editing the first part of the episode now, and literally half the episode is you, Catherine, being like, I have this thing that I want to say, but I don't want to say it yet. I want to say it later. <laughs> I'm like, okay, thanks for that, Catherine. I got so caught up in this because as I was reading, I was like, I want to solve the mystery too. I want to know who killed Annie Bell and I want to be a detective. And I just got so into it. It's so fun. Catherine's getting FOMO from the book. Catherine's like, please don't leave me out. I want to solve it too. Yeah. And I really want to get the sequel. So I dissociated from Andy because of just like finding out all of the stuff that she'd done I was like, you know, yes, like, I want to know who murdered her, but I was more like, justice for Sal, man. Right? Like, this poor dude. There's no justice for him, and it's so sad. I know. Well, that's also why Pip started the whole thing. She wasn't... Mm -hmm. Her whole point was to try to at least say that, like, Sal was innocent, not to, like, prove who killed Andy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is weird to, like, prove a negative, so I don't know how yeah. she... You'd have to kind of prove who killed Andy in order to prove Sal innocent. You'd have to find another suspect beyond another reason, like... Without a reasonable doubt, yeah. Yeah. I was like, what is that phrase? <laughs> That's the one. I'm not a lawyer. I'm a violinist. <laughs> <laughs> You're a wood instrument. <laughs> Welcome to our true crime podcast. It's three sopranos. <laughs> we are now detectives. <laughs> we got That's certified right. by <laughs> ourselves five minutes <laughs> ago. <laughs> We like true crime. Yeah, you're a big true crime junkie, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I listen to more of podcast um, true crime stuff than I do reading, but I'm starting to delve into the book side of, like, true crime and, I guess, nonfiction true crime. <laughs> <laughs> no, like the real true crime, not the fake true yeah. crime. Not the fake. <laughs> I like the real stuff and the fake stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Did you audiobook this? Um, I did part of it. So I started out reading it, and then I was like, all right, it's just too much. (laughs) Emily's like, oh, words. Honestly, (laughs) though, listen, I have too much ADHD. It's difficult to read sometimes, all right? I have to reread things so much. Audiobooks are fun because I listen to them at, like, 1.5 speed, so they, like, talk so fast. (laughs) I do the same. But I'm also, like... I gotta be doing something while I'm listening to it, because then yeah. I'm, I'm actually more focused that way. It's really weird. <laughs> no, I'm the same way. Yeah. I, like, actually retain information better than if I'm just, like, sitting. But, yeah, so I guess technically I cheated, but you know what? Whatever. I read it. I listened to it. I know what happened. <laughs> Audio books count. You did your homework. So we open up with Pippa still being absolutely, like, shell-shocked that Sal is actually innocent. Because if y'all remember from the beginning, or sorry, the end of last section, she just, you know, did her magic Photoshop with the photo and realized (laughs) that, oh, Sal's in the mirror and he's taking the picture. With the grainy 2014 Mm -hmm. quality, like, dark photo. (laughs) Her (laughs) magic knowledge of Photoshop that's, like, an intense program that takes people years to master. She's like, mm, I'm going to just enhance this. I got this. Let me just crop it. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Zoom in. It's actually not Photoshop. She like downloads Microsoft Paint from the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's like, and I'm just going to put a little sticker on that. There you go. <laughs> Good job, Pip. <laughs> you did it. Thumbs up. 
she goes to Ravi with basically all the information and he's like, hey, let's go to the police because of course he is because he's like, wow, my brother's not innocent mm-hmm. and we should figure out what's going on. But Pip, you know, logically is like, I don't think this picture is really enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he didn't do it. We love a thorough gal. <laughs> but also, like, mm-hmm. isn't she, like, kind of hesitant to because for, like, Naomi and Kara's, like, I guess, like, to not get Naomi in trouble or something like that? Wasn't that another reason? The whole hit and run right. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the person who blackmailed them into basically pushing Sal under the bus was like, I'm going to tell everyone about your hit and run incident. And yeah. they're like, oh, no. Yeah, push Sal out. So... She doesn't want to be, like, a sent to jail as an accomplice. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, makes sense. I wouldn't want to be sent to jail as an accomplice for a hit and run either, so. No. So, I guess they talk it out, and their solution is, Robbie's like, okay, you know what? I understand why you want to protect your best friend and her sister. I'm going to give you three weeks to figure this out, and if you don't, we're going to go to the police. And Pip's like, okay. So they come to this agreement. I don't know, like, where the logic in three weeks is, but it's just enough time for the book to wrap up. They needed a time frame. They just got to put a stamp on it just so they can be like, all right, we got this amount of time, and then we're throwing in the towel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, they've already spent, like, how long has it been? Months, for sure. I think it's been, like, three months. Yeah, because it started in August, didn't it? And yeah. it's mm-hmm. October. So, three months? Right. Mm, Sounds right. So, she's like, okay, I need to, like, get my shit together and figure out what's going on. So, she makes a list of her five suspects. And she lists out all her reasons on page 261. And I couldn't figure out a condensed way to (laughs) say why she thinks everyone did it. So, if either of you have a condensed version, I'm more than happy to hear it. No. Definitely not. No. I mean, I think it's just kind of a summary of what we like known before how he's on there mm-hmm. because he was the drug dealer and he knew about her burner phone and there might be a secret yep. relationship, which is so stupid because she even mentions it here too. Possible sexual relationship? Question mark. Stop. They did not have one. It's very obvious. Yeah, just <laughs> leave it. She, uh, and last episode, I was like, is it really that weird of her to be like, why is he getting defensive? Like, he's a grown man being accused of having a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old. Like, Literally. of course he's going to get defensive. I know. I had that exact thought. I was like, that just because he's defensive doesn't make him guilty. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would be defensive, too. Yeah. I'd be like, excuse me, what? I didn't listen. You do the teacher thing. Hands up in the air. All right? Exactly. <laughs> Not having anything going on, nope. I promise. Nope. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I did note something that she's really adamant about Max being, like, a suspect. And she's like... That's who I thought it was. That's who I thought it was, too, honestly. Well, in Underland, she's like, I do not trust him. And I'm sitting there, and I even before this part, when they're talking about the whole hit-and-run accident and stuff, I still don't think Max is the suspect. I think he's just a cocky idiot and he just was in a really bad situation and he's rich enough and spoiled enough to where he can get it covered. I mean, but he's the one that makes sense, like makes the most sense of the people who are listening. Yeah, that like having some kind of like secret obsession or something like that, you know. And then the weird roofie thing that, too. Yeah. I was like, uh-huh. that's what connected it. I think in this part, mm-hmm. I still thought Daniel was because... He did have a sexual relationship with her, 
when she was in high school and he was allegedly allegedly (laughs) i think i don't think we mentioned it in the last part but it was in the last part he became an officer but wasn't it also like he was out drinking with his cop friends and like we were told something that mr bell went and drove to his offices during that dinner party because he heard it like a disturbance like an alarm Mm -hmm. or something Mm -hmm. that's what it was Mm mm-hmm I originally was thinking, oh, maybe it's them, and they're, like, causing a disturbance of some sort, and they're, like, in on it. I don't know. I just don't think Max is a suspect. I think he's too dumb to murder anybody. One. (laughs) I mean, in hindsight, yes. (laughs) I think he's just too dumb (laughs) to murder somebody. (laughs) I think he legit was in his house playing video games. Doing nothing. Getting high. Yes, getting high, drunk, and that was it. (laughs) Like, that's what I was thinking. The biggest thing, the thing that she goes through after she does this whole diagram is the missing link is, like, who had knowledge of the hit and run. I mean, Max was there. Max was the guy who, like, literally drove the car for the hit and run incident. I think the most realistic thing would be, since he is, like, a partier and an idiot, that he would be really likely to let it slip when he's, like, in a drunk or altered state. Yeah, and also had the mm-hmm. resources to be able to cover it up or something, you know. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So that's why I was just, like, he's an idiot, but it's, like, he's just enough of an idiot to... Mess up and then make things cover it up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not, like, get away with... He's just enough of an idiot to, like, fuck up, basically. Yeah. But yeah. I think, you know, considering, yeah. though, like, the circumstances, like, she gets murdered and it ends up getting, like, covered up by somebody else with Sal's mm-hmm. death. So he could have yeah. still been the likely suspect. The only other thing is that the killer knew the phone number of, like, everyone in that friend group. Yeah, that's And then also Pip. Yeah. I don't think any of them had that. But she's like anyone theoretically could have it because phone numbers aren't hard to get and i'm like yeah no they're not you could literally just like google yeah. it yeah that's true i don't know she's expert at photoshop so she probably knows technology <laughs> better than i do <laughs> pip finds out that someone was in her room this part kind of scared the shit out of me yeah i'm not about that shit can i just be honest with you guys okay so the whole spare key thing when they were like breaking into the bell house before that yeah. in the second part and then in, in this case okay like i don't know about y'all but my parents growing up, we did not have spare keys lying around outside like these people do. And I don't think that's a real, I mean, if it's a real thing, maybe y'all should, you know, make some second choices of where you put your spare keys. Because <laughs> I remember like with the spare keys that we had when I was growing up, my parents would physically give it to me with a keychain, and they're like, don't you freaking lose this. And they would probably yeah. like, attach it to like a wallet or a water bottle or my, like somewhere to keep it safe. Not under a freaking rock where someone nope. obviously can get it and it, you see it on TV all the time. Like, come on. This is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, my parents made me wear my key around my neck to make sure I didn't lose it. Like, they were serious. Smart. There's no way in hell that they were going to put a spare key under the front door doormat. Like, when Pat right. said that, she's like, oh, like my parents do. I'm like, excuse me? Like, what kind of neighborhood you live in? very safe neighborhood where no break-ins happen. <laughs> what, it's like 2014 or something, right? Or how? what year is it again? Well, this isn't set in 2019. A 2019. See, what the hell? The murder happened in 2014. I know, it like, dates. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, who does that? <laughs> Nobody. 
If I had, like, a spare key outside, I would have, like, put it at, like, the bottom of the trash bin or something. Like, you want to put that where no one's going to go. Yeah, or, like, make it really inconspicuous. Like, in the bush, under a rock or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have a lockbox. Yeah. With a code. Or, like, dig with a shovel. <laughs> it's buried. You want to stream. It's buried somewhere in the front yard. You don't know where it is. It's in a little coffin. Brittany is going to train Valkyrie to dig a hole, and she's going to throw the spare key in that hole, and then Valkyrie's going to, like, pile it back up. And then when they need the spare key, they're just going to get Valkyrie out, and she's going to run out and dig up that key. Yep, that's right. She's the the key keeper. She's a key dog. (laughs) I like that. Oh, Valkyrie's a key keeper. But yeah, I, I find it interesting how, like, she noticed that someone came into the house and her parents are like, oh, no, like, nobody was here. And she doesn't tell her parents about it. And I'm like, girl, you need to say something. Nothing else was, like, disrupted. Like, her laptop was open. All her research papers were fanned out in front of her. The Photoshop picture was on the top of the pile. And there's a note on, like, the Word document. You need to stop this, Pippa. (laughs) At, like, a hundred times. I would have pissed myself and stopped, honestly. I would have been scared shitless. I would have stopped. This would be the end of the book if it was no. me. I'd be like, no. the end. And I realized I was a little bitch and I stopped. The end. I would have gotten mad because I'm like, uh-uh. There ain't no way in hell I'm going to let you get away with breaking into my house. I'm going to take you down. <laughs> I would still hunt for that. I would have hunt for that. This is 2019. <laughs> get a ring alarm. Put a ring alarm at your house. Yeah. Like, True. Just like that. Easy peasy. <laughs> Done. And they'd be like, I'm still going with this case, y'all. I'm That's still right. doing it. But how could we create the drama? <laughs> I know. The suspense. That's right. In the next chapter, Kara broke... Oh, no, wait. I put C. It's not Kara. It's Naomi broke her phone, and she's using an old pay-as-you-go phone. And I just put a bunch of question marks after this, because I was like, who has pay-as-you-go phones? Nobody. Hmm. <laughs> Nobody. Nobody. People who can't afford phone bills. <laughs> true. I don't know. That, that actually might be true. Prison inmates? Yeah. Pr- yep. Yeah, prison. Yeah. Yeah. And, and outmates. Outmates? <laughs> Post prison <laughs> peeps. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they have a money shortage. So it seems like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people have like spare old phones sitting around, but like to have an old pay as you go phone sitting around seems a little strange. Maybe that's my privilege showing. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just a backup. Yeah, you privileged violin. (laughs) (laughs) Just a violin. I'm not. I hate being a violin. (laughs) Violin you. I'm more than a violin. (laughs) You're a viola. I'm more than my beautiful curves. I'm a viola. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like some people could have one as, like, a backup in case something happens to their current phone. I don't know. <laughs> did you not find it suspicious at all? I thought it was weird. Yeah, it was weird. I did. I was a little sus about it. I thought it was just random. I thought there was a reason why I was pointed out, because otherwise, like, Holly would have just been, like, an old phone. It's like an old, ow. It's an old pay-as-you-go phone. I don't know. Maybe I was reading too much into it. I was just thinking of it as a crappy flip phone and I don't want to use this. I'm going to put this in the drawer where it belongs kind of phone. Nothing much to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She adds a lot of detail about Robbie. So, I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. But we know that that's on purpose. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. She is a teenager. Let's be let's be honest. <laughs> so she goes to school and she finds, or I guess she was at school because that's when Kara told her that Naomi like broke her phone. Um, and Nat is at the school and apparently she was interviewed for the janitor job. And she didn't get it. Because she's... Because they can't hire... She served time. I was trying to think of the word. I was like, what did she do? She served time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's rough. I think she, they said that they can't hire like aggressive convicts. <laughs> Makes sense if you're applying to be a janitor at a school. They do background checks like yeah. everywhere. It doesn't matter like what school system you go to. They're gonna still make sure that the kids are safe, like, especially especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know why she would want to go back to school considering like all of the horrible things. I know. Yeah. Like you think that would be a triggering experience for her. She just needs to make her own business. Like, it's 2019. Girl, learn some crafts and make an Etsy shop. Or make a <laughs> podcast. I don't know. Jeez, just do pottery, for fuck's sake. Go <laughs> on TikTok and make some TikToks and make a career out of that. <laughs> People would love to know what's happening in prison. Paint by numbers. Come on. Paint by numbers? <laughs> People pay money for that. I would watch that. I don't know. A girl needs money, you know. She can make an OnlyFans. I know that sounds really slimy. Oh, that was my next thing. Pictures of feet. There you go. You don't even need to do anything sexy. She already had some pictures leaked anyway, so might as well lean into it. But she is, like, so angry, too. Like, she's like, I hate this, and I can't have a job. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, girl, you ain't gonna have a job with that attitude problem. Like... I mean, in all fairness, like, she has every right to be angry. She did yes. get dealt, like, the worst hand. And Andy was the worst. Yes. She was done dirty. Yeah. So, like, I would be angry, too, honestly. But yeah, she's got to go through her anger. And then hopefully, you know, accept herself and turn her life around. We believe in you now. <laughs> Pip finds a note in her locker, and it says, This is your final warning, Pippa. Walk away. And I definitely would have stopped this whole project after this because I'm like well they break it into my house they put notes in my locker at school how did they get that combo <laughs> how did they get her locker combo right though? or did they just like slip it in oh slam it oh okay no like you, you know ever... how you have like the little slots and you just yeah, yeah. Push it in there? but I also had like one of those lockers where if you knew exactly where to like hit it it would pop open Oh, oh yeah. It was like back in middle school, I had one of those lockers. Luckily, nobody broke into it, but also I never put anything like, <laughs> you know, valuable in it. But <laughs> yeah, I would never put anything valuable in my locker. I looked like such a cool kid walking up to my locker, like smacking it. Yeah. <laughs> it <just popped> open. <laughs> I know it. I was like, yeah, I'm a cool middle schooler. What's up? <laughs> I've been here forever, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we get to the next, uh, cap log and oh she's now suspecting before you go into that cap log i just have something to say so she finds that note right yes ma'am and this is where it like freaks me out this is where my suspicions of a suspect not daniel da silva it's mr freaking w i put mr w it's mr ward <laughs> listen i was so sus of him from the beginning all right i was like why did we move on from mr w so quickly all right right well, and mm-hmm. that's what I thought so, too, because she, like, put him off the list. But here's the thing that really got me. So she has the note. She finds the note in her locker. And then and then she, like, runs into him or something like that. Like, she's going to class. 
She's going to his class, I think. Yeah, and they're talking for a second, and he says, is everything okay? And she's like, yeah, but obviously he doesn't believe her, and she, like, walks away to the end of the class, but she can feel his eyes following her, and that's what got me. And I was like, ooh, that is a Mm -hmm. little bit weird. I don't like that. That's a little creepy to me, so I put him on the suspect list as number one. Trust your (laughs) instincts. I didn't have any instincts. (laughs) You didn't didn't think that was (laughs) sus? No. <laughs> wow. Come on, Brittany. <laughs> Be in tune with your body. <laughs> Brittany died. She's already dead. This is why she would have stopped. Because <laughs> she knows. <laughs> Brittany. <sighs> yeah, it's probably good that you would have stopped. Because. <laughs> yeah, because I would have convicted the wrong person. Mr. W over here would have been grabbed you and smacked your head up against the desk. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's the part I don't understand. So she's suspecting Nat and she's like whoever the killer is must have connections to the high school and that's everyone except Howie however none of the people on her list are current students of the high school and Holly Jackson lives in England so I don't know if she's like fully aware of like American schools but like the security in US schools doesn't allow people to like just walk around the halls if you don't have a purpose in this you have to like literally go to the school they ring you in the doors are locked you have to go to the front office. You have to, like, mm-hmm. say what your purpose is, and then you go. You can't just, like, wander around the halls for, like, whatever reason or be like, I was a former student here and just wander around. Yeah, heck no. And you have to, like, make sure you're checked in with the front office and, like, you can get, like, even in prison for doing stuff like that. Well, with the note, yeah. do you think it was Nat? No. I mean, I, I finished the book, Catherine. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but did you initially think? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did I think when I was reading? Yeah. No, but I didn't think it was Nat, but that's, honestly, that is what did it for me, and I don't know if, but I was just like, whoever did it must be, like, belong at the school. That would make sense. Because you can't just, like, wander, but I don't know if Holly meant that or not. Like, I don't know if that was just her not being aware of, like, how our school systems are. Let's send her a DM and ask her the question. Hey, Holly, what's up? <laughs> are you aware how gun violence has affected security <laughs> in our schools? <laughs> yeah. She still wants to find the burner phone to get more information. And she's like, she leaves this log saying that she has more questions for Becca because she has no boundaries. No. Nope. Oh, of course not. I no. mean, of course, yeah, she doesn't think about any of that. You know, she's a, she's a high schooler. <laughs> Let me continue to harass the sister of the victim. Let me go straight to her job (laughs) and walk to her office. Just show up and be like, hey, Becca, what's up, girl? That was my next note. It says, goes to B's job in all caps because she has no boundaries. (laughs) No. She goes to people's houses, calls them constantly. She still shows up to their house. Yeah, she is aggressive. (laughs) <laughs> she should be a Girl Scout. She needs that A. She probably got these tactics from a Girl Scouts. She needs to graduate with that senior project that she has. <laughs> if she doesn't go into sales, I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> wasting talent. She, really? So she goes to Becca's job. Uh, we find out that Becca is writing this story about an abandoned farmhouse. Apparently some people want to buy it and turn it into like a hip bar cafe combination but she's like oh my dad wanted to buy it before you know all the shit with my family went down and everyone's like oh we're so sorry we didn't realize that that's why you were so passionate about it and I'm like it's interesting that you would draw that out for three pages but I didn't think anything of it because I'm big dumb 
(laughs) (laughs) It was random. It felt random. It did. Yeah. I highlighted it only because my dad bought it and restored it years ago before everything happened. He changed his mind in the end, but I've always wondered what things would be like if he hadn't. And that's what kind of caught my eye, was what she said, I wonder what things would have been if he hadn't sold it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It makes me kind of think about, is there something that she's thinking about? Like, what would happen if Andy didn't go missing? Or what would have happened, you know, if they found whoever did kill Andy or whatever? She's just thinking about all those what ifs. <laughs> and then she's writing a story about it because she's like, I want to save this little house so a family can have it. I don't know. I was kind of suspicious of the dad for a while. I yes. think that's kind of what drew <laughs> my attention to that was just that I'm like, why does he have this big old plot of land? I did think about the convenience of it. Oh, I just thought it was because they're rich. <laughs> like, I thought they were just rich. Like, yeah. what does the dad do? Like, is he a lawyer? <laughs> was it mentioned? Yeah, I don't think we find out. It's mentioned that he has offices, and, yeah. What a big wig with offices. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ooh, you work in an office? I wish I had offices. The office? <laughs> you look like you're in an office. I mean, I'm just a violin. That's right. <laughs> Pip continues with her trend of not having any boundaries at all, and she's like, this is the time to unload all this information on you. And she tells Becca that... Andy was selling drugs at parties, and she's trying to figure out where the phone went. And the whole time, Becca's like, wait, what is happening? She's, like, shocked that her sister was involved with dealing drugs. And mm-hmm. yeah. she's like, I think I think someone's, like, lying to you or something. Somebody made up something to you. And Pip's like, no, this is fact-checked. <laughs> she dealt drugs. Mm-hmm. So... And then Pip's like, do you know Max? And she's like, not really. You mean the blonde guy? And Pip's like, yes. Do you know Daniel? And she's like, what are you talking about? She's like, this is too much. <laughs> Overwhelmed. She knew who Daniel was because he worked for her dad. He was close to her dad yeah. and did, I, I, I don't know, was it did work for her? Oh. I can't remember the oh, specifics. Oh, I have it right here. And <laughs> I just like lifted up my bookmark thing. Okay, Becca sniffed. My dad owns a cleaning company, so now we know what he owns. He owns a cleaning company. Oh. My dad owns a cleaning company. Not offices. But he took a shine to Daniel and promoted him to a job in the office. So I guess, like, Daniel was working for her dad and got promoted to the offices. And then I do remember, apparently, Mr. Bell, like, convinced him to join the police academy. And that's what he did. And that's why Mm, he's an officer. So that's why they're close. And apparently, like... He came home for dinners with them. I feel like that's a little weird because if allegedly, like, Andy had sex with Daniel, did they have, like, a relationship still? That's not really explained, but it just, like, kind of brought a light bulb to my head because I was sitting there thinking, he worked for the dad, he got promoted as police officer, he went to their house and had dinner with them, and he supposedly had sex with her. Like, this is very weird and personal. Yeah, I mean, I guess it'd be intermingled, but I mean, a family friend, he's kind of mm-hmm. around, Andy may potentially start liking him, and I don't know, and her just trying to, like, climb her own ranks, and I don't know. Climb the social ladder, yeah. sleeping with an older guy. Right. I just don't know. I find him still suspicious, because he is close with that family, so I was just like, hmm. okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I can see it. 
But I wasn't fully convinced. I, didn't, I wasn't convinced of motive. Yeah. Because um, I just don't see, like, what good or what could have happened other than just her trying to rat him out. I guess, like, what I'm assuming is, like, they had, like, a sexual relationship when she was in high school and he was working at the high school. And then maybe something might have fizzled out. And, mm. you know, she might have been... Oh, my God, that meow. Oh. Sorry. Was that loud? She was right next to the mic. Sorry, You're y'all. good. Oh, sweet baby. <laughs> That's staying in. I'm thinking something happened, like a fight or something, and they fought, and then he ended up working for her dad. So he was, like, still around, but she was not really interested. And then how she ended up missing that night was she was, like, wandering around town or something they run into each other he's super drunk he's like why don't you still love me and yeah even though he had a wife he probably still was in love with andy or still wanted her yeah that seems really far-fetched though like you have to make a lot of assumptions and judgments to make that you cannot (laughs) discount a crazy guy okay you just can't that's true that is true. But yeah, I don't know. I just feel like for him, like, have already, like, settled in his career and has, like, a family life. Like, a side younger girl doesn't seem like somebody you would throw everything away for, but there have been cases like that before. So I think yeah. it's still plausible. Becca says that Daniel did a search of their house when Andy was reported missing, so Pip realizes that Daniel was the first person to get to Andy's room, and she's shook about that. And she thinks that he probably got the burner phone, too, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, Becca asked me to leave, and I'm like, well, duh. (laughs) You're at her job. She needs to work. you're... (laughs) (laughs) You're bringing up old shit. (laughs) She has the deadline. (laughs) You're being intrusive as hell, aggressive as hell. You need to calm down. She already told you she doesn't want anything to do with this. Yeah, she's like, I really don't want to be involved. Now she thinks that Jason and Daniel might be a possible murder team. And she's like, well, luckily, I'm going to continue my stalker streak. And I found an open police form, and I'm going to go to that. She's going to go to the town hall meeting. (laughs) Or have your say meeting is what it's called on page 280. Have your say. (laughs) I wasn't sure what to call it. I called it a city council meeting, a police forum. Town hall. <laughs> it's a have your say. <laughs> yeah. Go and speak your truth. <laughs> so they, she goes there. Stanley, the reporter, is there. Of course. Basically, people are just, like, saying their grievances and stuff, and it's whatever. And then at the end, they're like, yeah, if you have any grievance or complaint that you want to say privately like we're gonna be up here for like 10 or 15 minutes so pip's like that's me so she goes up to daniel the interaction seems okay at first she's asking if there's reports of a drink spiking and daniel's like i don't really remember and if he knows the hastings or hastings i can't remember i think it's hastings yeah hastings Uh, every freaking name (laughs) (laughs) he's like yeah my first call was max crashing his car into the tree from trying to cover up the hit and run thing. This is what made me think about him being a suspect. <laughs> suspect. So I think he knew, I think when he went to that call that he could look at the car and be like, this is definitely not you hitting a tree. And he probably like confronted Max about it. And then that's probably how he got the phone number and like texted everybody about the hit and run and like adjusting Sam's alibi. Cause he was one of the officers that told uh, Ravi when he was trying to like look into the case for Sal's like, you know, innocence. He was like, you need to like not, you just need to like 
focus on something else and not waste your time. So that's why I thought he was a suspect because he went to that car wreck first and he was the first guy on the scene for Andy's disappearance. Yeah. So mm -mm, I still think he's the little sus. Yeah, I don't know. I felt like it was still trying to derail us though because I still couldn't figure out motive for him. It wasn't strong enough for me. Yeah, I thought it was a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, Fairview could be a town of like 500 people. We don't know. It's a fictional farm town. <laughs> Wait, it's a farm town? I don't know. I've never been to Connecticut. There's a farm there. Of course it's a farm town. There has to be a farm That's in true. Connecticut somewhere. If not a farm, a petting zoo. Well, it's fictional, so it's whatever you want it to be. <laughs> Daniel confirms that he was close to Jason, and Pip's like, hmm, oh. Sorry, <laughs> and Pip's like, was that a conflict of interest? And Daniel's like, my job is a police officer. Like, what are you doing? And he walks away from her. <laughs> Basically. And then his like wife comes up and she's like, what's going on? And he's like, nothing. And then he like, they leave. But this is why I also thought mm -hmm. it was weird because Ravi shows up. <laughs> because we have to involve Ravi in this. Yep. Because he just randomly pops up everywhere, though. I guess. <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, talking, and then Pip looks over, and Daniel and Stanley are talking to each other, and they're, like, looking back at Pip, and Daniel's kind of, like, staring at her or glaring at her, which... <sighs> After this, you really never see them again. Yeah. Right. And that's what's, like, kind of, like, getting my brain right now is that was weird. I think that was weird. And we never see them again. Spoiler alert, because you're going to hear this anyway in like 10 minutes if you're listening to this. <laughs> Which makes me wonder, do they show up again in the next book? I mean, she was also like interrogating Daniel and like questioning his motives as a police officer so I could see him talking to Stanley and being like what's with that chick over there yeah and especially like as a kid you know to an adult kind of thing but what was that package yeah. like correspondence happening at the train station in part two when we first see Howie at the train station and Stanley is there and he's like corresponding and hands him an envelope and says this is the last time like what's that all about hmm yeah, good point. <laughs> Catherine's out here asking the big questions. I know, she's, she knows. She's leaning in. That's the thing <laughs> that threw me off, and I didn't think about it until, like, I, I, I didn't think about it until, like, I was doing my notes today, because I was like, this did happen. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't think about it until you brought it up, so. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only just saying that because that, that's why I'm still suspicious about them, too, more about Daniel than I am Stanley. I think there was, like, some unresolved issues between Daniel and Andy, and there was something that we really don't know about between the two of them, supposedly. I don't know. Maybe it could be in the next book, and that's why I was, like, really close to buying it on thrift books today, and I didn't. <laughs> but I think I might <laughs> just to see what happens. <laughs> that, that's just, like, my little speculation right there. So, Yeah. <laughs> Inside the mind. It's good. Yeah. I'm a detective, you guys. But I'm not practicing my flute. <laughs> I'm allowed to detective. <laughs> just gonna find the culprit and just whips out a flute. Bam! 
<laughs> That's like my bat signal to like call That's in right. reinforcements. <laughs> yes. That's I love cool. it. That's I'll cool. do it. Are we your reinforcements? Yes. <laughs> Thank yes. you guys. Yes. For catching a killer. <laughs> the violin and the soprano. <laughs> it could be the three sopranos. Yeah. Mm. We have like outfits. We'll have to have like masks and capes and Ooh. stuff. Yes. I like this. That sexy eyeliner. Yeah. Cat eyeliner. That's Draw right. the cat eye sharp enough to kill a man. Bear, 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 bear. I'm sorry. I was just running to okay, the Captain. Taylor Swift Midnight's album the other day, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. <laughs> so speaking of running, Pip takes Barney for a walk and just straight up loses him like a dingus. You guys, I'm not going to be happy about this for the next two chapters. Oh, man. Yep. It's always gonna happen, right? It's gotta be, like, the worst thing to possibly happen. Also, yes, Pip, it's dark. Don't let your dog run out into the middle of freaking woods in the dark. Don't ever do that. She's like, what happens if I take my dog off the leash? Yeah, like, what the heck were you thinking? No. (laughs) I kind of have the idea that they're one of those people where they, like, always let their dog off leash, which always irritates. I hate people like that. Because I'm like, you don't have control of your dog, but... Oh, yeah. I'm also not out losing my dog, so. (laughs) Yeah, see, you know, that's the thing. I don't want to lose my dog. And lo and behold, she loses her dog because Barty never comes back from the woods. Mm -hmm. She tells her fam uh, that she lost Barney and she looks with her dad and then they go back home. And then her dad takes the next day off of work to look. Ravi texts Pip because he saw that they put up missing posters. And then an unknown number texts, do you want to see your dog again? And I was like, oh, God. I did not like where this was going. No. Just saying. I was really tired at this point, and I couldn't put the book down. really just wanted to hug my cat. Because I was like, it's okay. You're going to stay home forever. <laughs> like, you're never <laughs> running away. So the next day, everyone else looks for the dog, and Pip stays home to work on her essay. Because uh, I guess that's more important than finding her dog, even though she lost the dog. Um, she gets a text from the unknown number to bring the computer and everything related to the project to the tennis club parking lot uh, to walk 100 paces into the trees and then go alone. Don't tell everyone yeah. everything. This is very specific. I would definitely bring someone. Yeah. Or have a camera. I want to just blindly follow. Yeah. I don't know. Pip, she's like, I got it handled. She's like, I'm a teenager that's like 10 foot tall it's fine yeah 10 foot tall i'm a 10 foot tall teenager (laughs) she's freaking paul bunyan's spawn yeah honestly those are the scariest kinds of teenagers are the tall ones yeah the 10 feet kind the 10 foot tall ones i'm just thinking of that my chemical romance song it's so true it is true. It's terrifying. I, I love that song. I do. She grabs everything and she obeys a text like an idiot. And she goes into the trees and puts stuff on the ground. And then she gets a text that's like, destroy everything and tell no one. So she does that. Um, she goes home and tells her dad that her laptop was stolen. And then later that day, her dad tells her that someone found Barney dead in the river. Mm. Mm. That apparently someone let him go and 
he must have gotten stuck or something. I literally like slammed my book down and I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like y'all, I couldn't even get past like the first 10 minutes of the first John Wick, Wick film because like a dog dies in the first 10 minutes yep. and you're like, come on. Like I, I can't stand scenes like this, <laughs> like in anything. Catherine's like, listen, people getting murdered. Ah, no big deal. A dog dies? Oh, hell no. Right? <laughs> <laughs> just flips the table. <laughs> it's just done. I literally, like, went over to, like, Lacey, and I gave her a hug, and she was like, mm. and I'm like, just let me love you for two seconds. Just let it happen. Let it happen. <laughs> right? I just, I can't stand dead animals. I know. It's so sad. I just hate the fact that it's like in a river or just like in water. That, right? I don't know. That element of it mm-hmm. just like makes me super sad. So they bury the dog and then her two BFFs, Kara and Lauren, come over to console her, which is like reminiscent of the beginning. Yeah. When Lauren was breaking up with a boyfriend or got broken up with. Broke up a Tom from MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ravi comes over and apologizes for Barney because I guess he always has to make himself involved in everything. But they're in love. That's why. Yeah. They've got a crush. He's like, you know what? We don't need to do the three-week time limit. Like, I feel like that's okay because your dog just died. (laughs) And Pip's like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I'm not doing the project anymore, so don't worry about it. And everything's gone. And then they have this whole big argument, and Ravi obviously doesn't take it well. Well, she's all doing it so because she doesn't feel safe anymore, and she right. doesn't want anything to happen to Ravi because he's also trying to get involved with the case and trying to figure out like his brother's innocence and everything like that. So if she said, like, I'm not doing the project anymore and that's it, um, he might go do the project himself. He might still go figure out the case and... She's just like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, being really short and flat with him to be like, this is for your own safety. I'm doing this out of love. Yeah, whatever, sis. Mm-hmm. It's because you're scared. Yeah. I think she was just, like, <laughs> scared out of her wits at that point. Because literally her pet, like, a member of her family yeah. was murdered. <laughs> exactly. She has to you grieve. Know. And she has to think about her other yeah. loved ones. So other pets and don't be- get harmed in this book. Right. Please, Holly, Lord. we don't want any more dead dogs or yes, cats. Please. None. She's like, let me really like stick it to the audience. <laughs> she did. So the next day, Ravi comes over and he brings like curry or something. Homemade Indian food, which Nom. is like the best food to get if it's Indian food. Yeah, that's a good mm-hmm. apology. It I is. I definitely would forgive him. <laughs> he takes Pip aside and he's like, I suspect that someone threatened you, took Barney and killed him. And Pip's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. And they <laughs> lied and didn't get my dog back, obviously. And Pip shows Ravi, like, all the correspondence that she's gotten from this unknown person. And she's like, I thought there were pranks. And I got scared and was too scared to ask for help when it got serious. I'm like, you idiot. You should have stopped this. But that's okay, because <laughs> I'm a scaredy baby. Honestly, she should have just asked mm-hmm. for help. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is, like, I know myself. I know I'm a coward. No. <laughs> so I'd be like, okay, bye. And that's it. <laughs> we would never find out who killed Andy. <laughs> so I would still be guilty. Come on, Brittany. You don't have, like, a curious bone. You wouldn't let your no. curiosity get the best of you. She wants Valkyrie to live. <laughs> she wants... Yeah. She wants all her animals to be alive. <laughs> I actually love my dog. No. <laughs> Pip's like, everything has to be done because uh, everyone's in danger 
and I'm like, at least she gets it now. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. she's like, the killer's watching us, and but Ravi's like, well, you know, they're just gonna keep going if they don't, if we don't stop them. So I guess it's still up to them. And Pips still has the photo printout, and apparently she emailed everything to herself. But the whole thing that I was wondering this whole time was. Did she not back up anything to like iCloud or Google Drive or anything like that? No, I think she did. That's what mm. basically that's what basically she said she emailed everything after she saved it. But why would she email everything to herself? Like why not just upload it to a drive? Right, and even emails can get deleted too though. So like, I feel like email is not the best way to yeah. save those files. Like I feel like there's gotta be like lock locked folders or something that she could yeah. create. I don't know. But also, are you not shocked that she had, like, it backed up? Because even when when you read the part where she's, like, destroying everything, she doesn't really mention, like, she mentions more of Barney, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was also thinking in my head, I was like, there's no way that she's destroying all the evidence. She had to save no. it. There's got to be a USB. <laughs> like, yeah, have a backup USB at least. But yeah, like, put it on an iCloud. But I don't know, maybe she just decided to email it to herself just in case, you know? Who knows? I just think someone who's smart enough with technology to master Photoshop in five <laughs> minutes and figure out the whole thing with tracking printers should know that yeah. to upload stuff to a cloud. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know. 2019, mm. those were dark ages. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so they make a murder board. Robbie says that they must have all the information on the killer that they need for them to go over after them that hardcore so he says that there's not really a reason for them to like contact anyone else which is good judgment call but yeah. i still don't get it yeah that doesn't make any sense to me naomi calls calls pip from her new phone and says that she has a connection at columbia which is like that's nice which is the school that she's trying to go to mm-hmm. yeah i know we still had to like be in her teenage life her teacher says that it's too late for her to change her project. <laughs> so she's like, well, I guess I'm still stuck doing this murder case. <laughs> yeah. If you die doing it, too bad. Too damn bad. Sucks. <laughs> when we had senior projects my senior year, which, Emily, I have a question for you. You were yeah. <laughs> in the Georgia public school system once upon a time. Did you yes. have a senior project? Hell no. What? I did not. No. no. I did not have a senior no. project. Apparently Catherine did. You had a senior project? I guess Cherokee County is just like one of those weird districts that were like, oh, we're going to try to like bring up grade point averages and give people this freaking senior project. Yeah. We had a senior project in, at my high school. Like it started like my sophomore year and it was a whole like countywide thing that they did. In Cherokee County, so I was just curious. What was your project? What was your thesis? (laughs) I wrote a Oompa Loompa trio for flute trio. (laughs) Like an arrangement. And then I wrote like a more (laughs) classical style. Like if if you like look back at it now and listen to it, it's like really so basic. So (laughs) ABA form. But still that sounds like a very Catherine thing to do. (laughs) I know. I mean, it's cool that they made you guys do that because they do force you to do things like that in college because I had to do something called a GCR for my master's, which is basically just like creating like a music thesis. And I talked about the, what did I talk about? (laughs) Oh, my master's (laughs) ages ago. Oh yeah, I talked about like the morbid and grotesque 
qualities in Baroque music because I was doing... I like that, though. Oh, it was so much fun. It was such a good project because I did um, Rameau's Platea, which is about, like, you know, he basically, like, wrote this opera to diss this, like, French king's new bride because she was um, a bit homely. And so it was just kind of, like, talking about, like... Your new wife, ugly. (laughs) Like, the satire Yeah. Baroque <laughs> opera and it was really cool. Interesting. But yeah, like we had to do all of that kind of stuff too. It was like the same thing, deadlines, all that. It had like a panel. Like it's that's a stressful time. <laughs> it was really stressful. I think I remember my present, my final presentation. It was in the middle of a musical rehearsal that I had for Guys and Dolls, and I had to like. Yeah. So I, I was at school all day long, and I had to like. I was stressing about my presentation, but then I was like, oh, I also have to, like, practice all this music and make sure that I don't fuck up. Because it was, like, the dress rehearsal week of the musical, and they were like, you need to stay in the pit. I'm like, but my presentation time is at (laughs) 4.20 or something like that. It was, like, in the... Because they would have it spread out in the (laughs) afternoon for, like, an entire week for the entire senior class. And I remember, like, I told my teacher, I was like, I have this during my rehearsal and I can't get out of it and I remember like my teacher was so pissed because multiple people had to get out of rehearsal for that and I was like I'm sorry don't plan your musicals around the senior projects all right lesson learned (laughs) it was a really weird stressful time (laughs) I I passed so I still have it in my room somewhere at home (laughs) you and Pippa made it through we made it out murdered (laughs) we made it through that's what matters the most the only other thing that happens in this chapter of importance is that Pip realizes that Naomi's number is the number that's in Andy's planner. Dun, dun, dun! Hello. I was like, Naomi did it. Like, I didn't see this coming, but I guess that's what's going to happen, and her and Kara are going to have a big fight. I, I was still big dumb. I didn't get it. I oh. didn't quite catch what was happening, honestly. <laughs> It was like over my head. I'm like, wait, how does what? <laughs> I don't. I didn't quite understand how that being in there made her the murderer. <laughs> I didn't think it was like direct, like evidence. Yeah. She goes and does pumpkin carving at the wards, and they're all chatting together. Mister Ward's not there, but uh, Kara and Naomi are. I like how Pip is like kind of cautious around Naomi with a knife because she's like. I mm-hmm. think she murdered somebody. And we're carving pumpkins <laughs> together. <laughs> also, why do they have a knife? I know somebody that... I, I know someone that really injured themselves from carving a pumpkin with a steak knife. I'm just letting what? y'all know there are pumpkin carving kits out there. You don't do that. What? Why would they do that? When I was reading this, I was like, do they have a pumpkin carving kit? Like, do they have a party city in Fairview, Connecticut? I'm sure they do. They can go there and get one themselves. Or Walmart. I'm sure Walmart has one. Walmart's everywhere. Listen, the only way you use a big knife like that is whenever you're cutting the top first. You can use a big knife to make yourself like a little like hexagon or whatever shape you want. And then you use, like, all the carving stuff from there on out. There you go. Exactly. Like, that is the only time you need a big knife like that. Come on, guys. Like, there's YouTube to figure out this stuff. (laughs) So they're all chatting, and the kids mention that the old SIM card belonged to Elliot, the dad. Uh, Pip's like, wait a second. So she goes to the study, and then she, she does, like, her printer magic 
where she can track what the printer is printing somehow. I still don't understand how that works, but I guess it's a thing you can do. And she finds some of the notes that the unknown person wrote on the printer. And we find out that Elliot's the killer. Dun, dun, dun! And I was like, oh, I didn't see this coming, but okay. And I was like, there's so much more in the book left. What happens? Yeah. I remember I just, like, slapped my hand on the coffee table, and I was like, I knew it! And I scared. Was your cat terrified? (laughs) She was sleeping in her little basket. Because this is the second time. (laughs) Yes. She literally, I don't think I gave her some peace that night. I was literally, I have to read this book, and I was slamming things and being like, oh, my God! And Lacey hated me that night. So, you're welcome. That poor cat. <laughs> yeah. When I found out, I was like, mm-hmm. Those little, those suspicious teachers. <laughs> well, he was eyeing her in the classroom after that one threatening note. So I was sitting there thinking to myself, why is he eyeing her? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, other than maybe he was, like, caring for her, but at the same time, he's showing up. Only creeps do that. Creeps. Yeah. I don't know. I still, none of this really made sense to me. Well, he also said that he didn't really know Andy that well. When she did confront him about it, he was like, I don't know. The way that he was explaining, like, how he knew her, of how, like, he knew that she was being a bully and had that video and everything like that. Yeah, he victim blamed, basically. He, like, pointed the finger at her. Like, remember when you talked about, like, how he called Mr. Bell? And I was sitting, like, I remember thinking to myself, that's very personal. Like, why would he go and call the dad when he could just report the student to the school about the bullying if it's not that personal? So that was another thing that, like, still kind of got me with him. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then Pip's like, well, there's a killer here, so I need to leave. So she's like, I don't feel good um, (laughs) to leave. I don't feel so good. Hey, it's a good excuse. It's a valid excuse. But then Elliot comes home from tutoring. She ends up leaving after this, like, all this suspense kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's Halloween, so her family leaves to trick-or-treat, and Robbie comes over, and she tells him everything, because I feel like that has to be a note in, like, every third chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie shows shows up. up. And she tells him everything. (laughs) Yep. Oh, my God. You'll never guess what happened. Elliot has no (laughs) alibi for Sal's murder. He says that he took the day off to do something. I don't remember what. Oh, what was it? Oh, God, it was forever ago. One of his um, kids was sick or something? No, no it wasn't he said, no. what was it? I, I think I remember it was just being like, he said that he took the day off because maybe he said he wasn't feeling good. Maybe. And Pip is also thinking that he might be the secret older guy. And I was like, no, he seems too good. But he is older. More on that later. <laughs> he is older. He is, yeah. He's older. And it could be a secret. There have yeah. been instances where teachers and students have done things inappropriate mm-hmm. and they've kept it a what? secret. And yep, exactly. What? Many instances. Many. So then they talk about how Elliot tutors three times a week, but Pip realizes that they don't really have a need for extra money because... The dead mom had, like, a bu- nice life insurance policy and also her yeah. family is, like, super rich or something like that. And then he also used to be, like, a college professor, and he still gets, like, residuals or, like, a stipend or something from that job. Maybe he feels like teaching history for fun. (laughs) And then there's the missing food that keeps popping up. The missing Butterfingers. Oh, yeah. That, too. And then she's like, what if he's keeping Andy hostage? And Robbie's like, that seems a little extreme, but, like, okay. 
I totally was like, nah, she dead, fam. <laughs> she's like, she's been, she's been missing for like how long? How many years? Five? Like, there's no way that, that she'd still be alive at that point. I keep putting down like she dis- her, like her disappearance, not her murder, because I'm like heavily convinced, or I was heavily convinced that she was alive. Did you think that she was in on it, like in on her own disappearance oh, yeah. because of like her relationship with her dad? I thought many things, but I don't know. <laughs> thought so many things. <laughs> I thought so many things. None of them were right. So many thoughts. But I did think that she did, in some way, stage her murder to get away and. I yeah. think the more that we were, like, learning about... Murdered Sal in the process. That relationship with the janitor and, like, dealing drugs. Like, I think I was thinking, oh, she got in a really bad deal with somebody. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. And that's, like, the fake, you know, murder scene. She's, like, out there somewhere in disguise. Like, ha, 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 I'm still here, mm-hmm. bitches. It's me. <laughs> Andy. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> So they do the find my friends on their respective phones and they start to hatch a plan. Hey, smart tool in case like you can't find your phone. They hatch a plan for her to get her phone in his car, in Elliot's car. She fakes a sprained ankle after school one day to get a ride home with Kara and her dad. And I'm like, she has duped Kara like three or four times in this book. Like this poor girl. (laughs) And she's really oblivious. Like, she's just like, okay, sure. She plants her phone in the car. They bring her home. She stalks the car with Ravi. And it turns out that he's going in a different direction than he told Pip. And he ends up near their old house. Mm -hmm. Which they were supposed to have, like, sold and moved away from and stuff. Yes. So, some interesting developments going on. During all this time, while they're tracking the phone, she's like, we have to end this now and go to the house. And Ravi's like, no, you need to stay home and work on your personal (laughs) essay for Columbia that's due in six hours. And I'm like, girl, I I like how this personal (laughs) essay, like, as we are reading... Priorities. As we are reading, like, this part, (laughs) at least, you keep hearing about personal essay, personal essay, personal essay. She obviously put it off to, like, the last minute. And Ravi, being the good boyfriend that he is he's just like yes you gotta do your personal essay so you can get to college <laughs> mm-hmm. like you really gotta be thinking about your future right all right priorities man <laughs> like, listen so she, she's at a carnival i guess there's like some kind of carnival that the town has and she's at it with yeah it's like a fall festival yeah with like the friend group and she feels super isolated because she's holding all this information and she's with kara and she's like i can't tell you that your dad killed sal and andy she doesn't even have her phone until Kara gives it to her. Yeah. True. Kara gives her phone back to her because she's like, oh, you happened to leave this in my dad's car. And Pip's like, oh, thanks. And Mr. Ward kind of comes out of nowhere um, when Pip separates from the group. And he's like, where's Kara? And Pip's like, oh, God, get away from me. <laughs> she basically sprints back to her <laughs> mom's car, like, after she fakes limp, yeah. like, fake limps. And she's like, go, Mom, go. <laughs> She goes to her house and she tells her parents that she's going to Robbie's and she tells Robbie that they're going to call the police tomorrow on 
Elliot. But then she's like, nah, I have no regard for my personal safety. So she makes her way to the old house. She's also dumb because she she also forgot that... Yeah, of course not. She's a dumb teen. Her phone is being tracked by Robbie. So even if she doesn't respond to those texts, he's probably going to go on that freaking app and be like, she's lying to me. <laughs> yeah. Because he's smart. See, I forgot that part. <laughs> um, and we get to one of the climaxes of the story here. <gasps> my first note, Wow. Was literally my first bullet. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Pip gets to the house and she calls 911 and she's like, my name is Pip and I'm at this house and Elliot Ward is holding Andyville hostage and she was supposed to die five years ago, but she didn't. And I'm going to go into the house. So send officers ASAP and the operator's like, don't, no, don't, don't go, go inside. In. And Pip's like, yeah, really? Pip's don't, like, mm. don't do that. Maybe don't go in there and get murdered. Pip's like, mm. you see... I have no regard for boundaries or my personal safety, so I think I'm going to go <laughs> yeah, in. She she just went in. She goes in. Yeah, no, of course she of course. did. Of course she did. I mean, she's breaking into houses. She's, like, intruding on people. Yeah. Bring some mace or something with you. Jeez, like, come on. A baseball yeah. bat? Something. Again, 10-foot-tall teenager, okay? 10-foot-tall <laughs> teenager. 10-foot-tall teenager. She's fine. <laughs> All right, she's like, I got this. Right, don't worry about it. So she goes to the door, and she, Mr. Ward is there, and she's like, the police will be here soon, and you need to tell me everything. So he invites her in. He is very calm about it, too, which is like, I was actually kind of shocked that he was very calm. He invites her in, and it's just like a barren house, and there's like furnishings kind of in the kitchen. There's like appliances and spices and food and stuff. Elliot starts to tell the story about how he was really lonely after his wife died and like Andy would come up to him and like say nice things. And then eventually she slipped his number to him and then they started talking and then it kind of turned into like sleeping together. And I was like, ew, gross. Pip also (laughs) says like you were in a position of trust and you were a teacher and you violated her. And I'm like, yeah, that's nasty. Yeah. That is gross. I think it was more because like he was opening up to her and like she was allowing it. But on the other end, it seemed like, she was, it was like, it just seemed random because he keeps mentioning, or he's mentioned before that he, she had no classes with him. I think she might have like had yeah. one class like early in her mm-hmm. high school life, but like he was like saying like, it was kind of random. Like she just like come, came up to me. It kind of made me sad. Cause I was like, in, in some way, and I'm not endorsing like relationships between a student and a adult, but it just kind of made me sad for him. Because, like, he's a man that, like, lost his wife. He has two older kids, and he's, like, grieving. And then, like, this one person that's probably, like, he probably is not on Tinder or not on any OkCupid site. He's probably still grieving. And then this one girl's like, I'll talk to you. And he's, like, opening up, which is also kind of weird, but it made me kind of feel bad for him in a sense. And I was like, ugh, this is a weird feeling. I feel bad for him in the sense it's like, I feel like anyone can kind of get trapped into that. But also I feel like most people would know the difference between like sleeping with a kid and not. Yeah, but also. Like you draw the boundary. Like, exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, I get like having like a kid, you know, or, or like, and also like Andy, because she's like the beautiful, popular girl of the school, right? So. She's Regina George. Yeah, she's Regina George. Yeah, exactly. So, like, having this kind of, like, beautiful, 
like I imagine the way he's looking at her is more of like just like this beautiful like female creature yeah. like as opposed to it being like this is a student of mm-hmm. mine this mm-hmm. is like I'm her mentor and I think he kind of like lost all sense of himself because of everything that he went through and so then he's you know just finally allowing himself to crumble and cave in to like the easiest thing yeah yeah and then just like doesn't consider the fact that he's talking to a child and so he just kind of loses all sense of himself so yeah like I get that element of it being sad because it's like he's just this broken person in a way but it's so immoral and it's so like ethically messed up yeah (laughs) be better yeah (laughs) you're an adult (laughs) all right yes life gets hard and we grieve and we go through stuff go get some freaking therapy Therapy. mr wade (laughs) tinder (laughs) (laughs) and date people your age your age I mean, just drink a little bit more. That's what most people do when they're sad. Yeah, pick up a hobby. (laughs) Do some puzzles. Dang it, man. Painting by numbers. Bring it up again, all right? (laughs) Join a TikTok. Start exercising. Turn your life around. Yeah. Go find a karate community. (laughs) Karate community. (laughs) Maybe they'll also like paint by numbers. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. (laughs) A lot of possible options here. So many yes. options. Not a young teenage girl that's just like, oh my god, hi, Mr. Wade. Yeah. Yikes. Oh. I want to see how hot he was. Like, what was the hotness factor for him, for her to go up to him? Well, Pippa was even, like, at the beginning, she's like, no way. Like, she dismissed it so quickly because he's like, not an old crusty guy like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, girl. And he must not be good. This <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't matter. We're probably not feeling seven about it. We're probably feeling like a five for him (laughs) or four. Feeling three. Honestly, probably a four. I was feeling more four, (laughs) you know, but that's the thing. Like everybody has probably messed around with somebody that, you know, is is not a 10 (laughs) or above a five, let alone a 10. Uh, he did try to stop the whole sleeping together thing because he's like, uh, this is too much. What did I do? And then Andy was like, pissed. Oh, now you start to have some kind of moral right? compass? Hmm. <laughs> too late, my friend. Dude gets his dick wet and then he can think again? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It's never happened to anyone. Um, no. So she threatened to tell school and the police about him, which is like, oh, like he'll just lose everything. And then Mr. Ward heard about her bullying Nat, and then he played his card and called her dad, and he's like, yo, I could, like, easily have you suspended or contact police on you. But I was like, I feel like one is statutory rape, and the other one is cyberbullying. One is definitely much more severe than the yeah. other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and that's why he met up with her at the Ivy. Did you mention that he meant, like, that? that's why they met up at the no. hotel? the inn or something like that because she kept like saying like I want to meet you or like we should meet up and he was like okay let me find a place out of town and he booked like a hotel room there that solves the mystery there just so weird can't really bring her over with your two kids that are the same age no oh that's awkward oh god Mm -mm. so so not okay she was pissed obviously and she came over to tell him that she only slept with him so he could get her into Yale and then she started destroying her, or sorry, his late wife's paintings. 
And then he's like, no, don't do that. So he pushed her away, but he's like, I guess I pushed her harder than intended because she fell and she hit her head really hard on his desk to the point that she was probably concussed and she was, like, bleeding on the floor. Mm-hmm. Listen, that was a shove. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that was no measly push. Like, this girl tumbles down and smacks her head up against the... Oh, I just pushed her slightly. Yeah, just lightly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was but not... But she's bleeding. She's lying on the ground bleeding, convulsing. It was <laughs> It was just a flesh wound. <laughs> it was just a flesh wound. <laughs> <laughs> But he went to go oh get the first God. aid kit, so let's just be fair there. He was like, oh, let me make sure she's okay. Oh, how caring of him. And then he came back, and she was gone. Not smart. And he was like, oh, God. <laughs> yep, you done messed up. And then he felt really bad about it. <laughs> yeah, the next day he found out he, she was missing. She found He found out about the hit and run from Naomi's therapy journal, which that is a serious violation of him as a father. That is insanely violent. That, like, what? No, it's not a good... Some, like, helicopter parent stuff right there. It's an invasion of privacy right there, Dad. He blackmailed the kids and found Sal and went back to his house with him. Because he was like, yeah, I've been sad, too. Like, I lost my wife. Like, let's talk together. Like, I'm a trusted adult. So he slipped sleeping pills and coffee. And then, so he's, like, a little doped up. And then he's like, yeah, we should go look in the woods for Andy. So they go in the woods... And then he basically threatens him at knife point to take a lot of other pills. And then he puts a bag over his head uh, when he passed out from the pills. And that made him. me so sad. Like, it pissed me off. <laughs> I was so mad. At least he tried to give him some kind of peaceful death in a way where he was asleep. Possibly couldn't feel anything. No. I can't. No, I no, can't no, no, subscribe no. This, to that. This dude's a teacher. I know. Like, this is a teacher framing a child. Not only he had sex with one kid and then he kills another kid. It just made me so sad. This man. Yeah, but you're saying he gave him a peaceful death. At least he could have not yeah. killed him. Yeah, he could have like, I don't know. He could have not killed him. He could have like <laughs> manned up. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I was just kind of like, well, at least he tried to give him some kind of peaceful death. (laughs) Oh, how sweet of him to only kill him via (laughs) sleeping pills as opposed to, like, hacking him to death with an axe. How nice of you, Mr. Wade. At least he held his hand and talked to him about Yale. I could just imagine, like, if this was, like, a Netflix series where, like, the scene of this happening, it's, like, the teacher has him, like, (laughs) and he's, like, like, the music in the background. Yes, he's, like, holding him, like, saying, and at Yale, the leaves... They turn autumn, or they turn brown and orange and yellow. They turn autumn. Nah, this guy is disturbed as hell. <laughs> in the autumn, and there's like sad music in the background, <laughs> nope. and then Sal nope. dies, and like there's crying, and I'm like, I can just imagine this terrible scene on a Netflix no. series. <laughs> this is a bad series. It really is. Bad. That's a bad. That's some trash TV right there. <laughs> just like not killed Sal like at all there was really no reason to that's the thing no and also it's like how self-righteous can you be to be like well at least I'm giving him a good death it's like you could have not killed him you could have not killed him narcissist you like psychotic narcissist Mm -hmm. over here raping children murdering them with bags 
I also, because, like, okay, so remember how um, in the first part they find the dried blood in Sal's fingernails, and then he explains how he did that? That must have taken a lot of time. Also, like, is that easy to do? Like, scrape dry blood from a carpet and then, like, stick it in someone's fingernails? No, that's a very precarious, like, imagine. It's like, you know, yeah. depending on how long like Sal's nails were. I mean, is he getting manicures? Does he have like them snatched nails where <laughs> you can just kind of like plop it in there? I just thought that was a really interesting thing. And I was like, that must have taken a lot of time. But then also we, sure. don't, we don't get any explanation about the car, which I highlighted because he mentions like the whole, he was the one that gave him sleeping pills. He was the one that, he had Andy's phone because I guess like Andy left her phone at his house when she originally showed up and like concussed mm-hmm. and everything like that. So he put her phone in his pocket. He was the one that suffocated him and everything like that. But there's no mention of the car. He right. doesn't mention the car at all, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, because that was a good clue that I didn't pick up on until, of course, much later on. Yeah. Whenever yeah. we got a big reveal. He said that he was driving a few months later and found Andy walking alongside the road, uh, and she was, like, real drugged out and concussed. And apparently she stayed with friends of Howie but didn't feel safe during that time period. So he convinced Andy to stay with him, so he's just been taking care of her in the meantime. So his tutoring has just been going there and feeding her, basically, and hanging out with her. Which I also thought weird because, like, okay, if if she's alive, wouldn't you just say like hey she's back instead of keeping her locked up in a house well because he didn't want to reveal or he didn't you know want her getting out quote unquote and you know spilling the beans about what he did to her or something true but he was saying that she's not herself like she's different now she's not really herself and that's what he kept saying or insinuating like and i'm like well what does that mean is she finally nice all of a sudden? <laughs> <laughs> it means she's not her. She's not her. <laughs> but she ain't her. I think he attributed most of it to like the head injury and just her being like doped up and stuff. Yeah, that's what I thought too at the time. Just like her being like traumatized so much that she just wasn't Andy anymore or something like that. I feel like that's what they were trying to allude to. Maybe she has amnesia and she's pulling a Michelle Tanner on the season finale of, or the series finale of Full House and doesn't remember who she is and is walking around Connecticut. Hey, trauma can do some crazy things. The body is a really, the body and the brain is a very interesting thing. All kinds of weird stuff happening up there. (laughs) But yeah, she's hanging out up in the attic and that's where he's tutoring. He's having dinner with her and eating Butterfingers and watching TV and having conversation. The police come and Pip steals attic key, attic key and goes up and see her and then she realizes it's not Andy. Like, we even get, like, a more of a close-up in chapter 45 where she's like, you're not Andy. Like, she is, like, she's a little bit thicker. Her hair is, like, different. She has paler skin. Well, obviously she has paler mm-hmm. skin if she's inside all day. So Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. But That's kind of what I thought. I was like, maybe it's just being inside all the time, but... And no. also not being able to get outside and do any fitness. So he's just, like, you know, feeding her. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess, like, at a distance, you can see, like, oh, yeah, that's probably Andy. 
but maybe at close-up range, like when you really look at the facial features and considering that Pip has been looking at photos of Andy for the last like three months, mm -hmm. she's like, that's not Andy. That's not her. Yeah. Right. As stated in every three chapters, Ravi comes and Pip tells him everything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they... Ravi shows up, man. He's always coming. He always to shows up. Right. They drive home and they see the bells and they all look really distressed. The parents do. Becca. Yeah, the parents, yeah. parents do. Yeah. And Becca kind of looks a little confused. They assume that they probably got called to the station to like identify if Andy is like really Andy. Yeah. Yeah. Pip obviously tells her parents what happened. <laughs> At this point, I guess she's going to get her parents involved. Finally. Jeez. She also texted Kara like she texted Kara, like, hey, your dad is the murderer of Sal. And I'm like, you could have called her. You no, could have gone to her house. Or even, like, meeting. That's the thing. She's like, hey, sorry about it. Your dad's a murderer. Right? <laughs> you could have just gone to her house and been like, like, if they're so close, like, they're sisters, why did you just send her a text? That's a shitty friend Such move. a shitty friend. Yes. Right there. Listen, she breaks up with people via text. We all know it. Yes. That's what's going to happen in the sequel with Ravi. Let's just... Oh, Ravi, I'm calling no. it. I'm calling it. <laughs> Ravi! My first note on that was, wow, shitty friend. My second note was, wouldn't the police notify the family on his arrest? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so she wouldn't need to text Kara. Right. So, like, she did it for herself. It's like, but if you're doing it for yourself, call her. And then she's, like, wondering no. why Kara's not, like, responding to her text or answering her phone calls. I'm like, why do you think she's not, Pip? Right? <laughs> huh? Okay. Pip's oh. like, I don't get it. So self-centered. And, like, apparently their house is, like, empty because the mom, like, drove by after running errands and said that the house was empty. And Pip says that they probably went to stay with, like, some random aunt. Ravi and his parents show up to thank Pip for proving Sal's innocence. That's so sweet. And they give chocolate and flowers. Yeah. yeah. And then they have a lunch with sandwiches. And I was like, mmm, sandwiches. No. Pip goes into the kitchen because she's distracted, I guess. And Ravi can tell that she's bothered by not knowing what happened to Andy. And he's like, it's not our job anymore because the police reopened the case. So hopefully they'll get it right this time. Pip has no boundaries. She's going to go find. Of course not. She's like, no, I got to I gotta finish this. Like, I got to actually no. finish the project. Which, like... Technically, she did finish the project, but she's like, ah, oh, yeah. I'm going to find Andy, dang it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're getting ready to go to the carnival. I guess families, both the families are going to go together. But she's like, nah, you all go on ahead. I want to sit and look at this murder board. So she does that. And she throws out all the stuff that ties to Elliot. And then we have, like, some developments based on what Elliot told Pip. So he must have gotten the time that Andy left his house wrong because the security footage shows Andy driving past at 1040 supposedly to his house it was like earlier right it wasn't it like 1020 or something yeah or early yeah. I thought it was like earlier that night like earlier in the evening like maybe oh. like nine o'clock maybe who knows but the way that the houses are set up it makes a lot more sense to walk to because it's like you just cut through a yard and then you go to the ward's house from mm -hmm. the bell's house and if you're driving you have to drive like all the way around and he assumed that she didn't drive so she like she's like what happened with the car and then i was also like what happened with the car <laughs> what <laughs> happened with the car well he <laughs> thinks also that she ran away too and got like lost in the woods right. and like died or something like that right. so mm -hmm. yeah like 
that's why the car was never brought up and i was like what happened to the car (laughs) (laughs) everybody wants to know I was, like, three chapters behind Catherine. Catherine asked that, like, seven chapters ago, and I'm now just like, what happened to the car? (laughs) (laughs) Delayed. The book has to lay it out for me. This is a slight delay. (laughs) Before he got arrested, Pip was saying something about, like, you killed Barney. And he was like, Pip, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't kill. And he he wasn't able to finish Barney at the end, but she was finally Mm -hmm. able to, like, realize that and, like, say, ooh. I don't think this is... She realizes that there's two killers. Mm -hmm. Because the messages that she was given were definitely given by different people. Mm -hmm. Two different note styles. It couldn't be Jason because the reaction that Pip and Robbie saw him have after they thought that Andy was discovered seemed too genuine. And she grabs a bunch of stuff that looks like it might tie to Max. And I was like, okay, it's Max again. I was like, my boy did the crime. (laughs) I still didn't get it. I still didn't understand. So she calls Max and records and asks him if he roofied and raped Becca. And he says yes in, like, the grossest way possible. And he's like, well, she didn't say no. And I'm like, dude, ew. Yeah, I know. That's the worst. That is so slimy. She did such a good job painting him in such, like, a shitty light. I think that's why I Mm -hmm. wanted him to be the killer as well. I'm like, God, just F you. (laughs) Like, I just want you (laughs) Everyone loves an unredeemable bad guy. That's true. I, I just feel like he was too obvious, and I was like, no, he's too dumb. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted those drugs and, you know, get his dick wet. <laughs> and then this is where Holly kind of starts laying out what happened, and I still wasn't picking up what she was putting down, because Pip's like, you idiot, you have no idea what you did, and she hangs up the phone, and then, like, the last line in that chapter is like, the last person to see Andy alive was still Becca. And I'm like, I don't get it. What? Yeah, I know. How does she like... Oh, I got it. Like move from that thought to the next. This is how I kind of figured it out. Because I had to sit there. I had to stop reading for a second and read this one paragraph. It's on page 367. She grabbed all the re- relevant pages from the murder board. Log entry three. And that's why I went back to log entry three. The interview was... I didn't go back to anything. The interview was Stanley <laughs> Forbes. Entry 10... Well, like, Stanley Forbes mentioned something. I read back to the entire log, if you read back to the log, and then uh, Log Entry 10 was the first interview with Emma Hutton. And I think that was when Emma was mentioning something about how Andy was at home that night because of Becca, because she was, like, self-harming herself Mm -hmm. or something like that. Right. And going through that. And so that's why I remember that was part of that interview. Entry 20, the interview with Jess Walker, that was the one about the whole competition with the Bells and the whole backstory about them um, and how there was like competition between Becca and Andy a little bit. Hmm. 21, log entry 21 about Max buying drugs from Andy. I think that wasn't that the one or around that, or maybe that might have been after we find out that they went to a calamity party. Becca and her friend Jess. But the whole Rufy situation, the log 23 about Howie and what he supplied her with, that was probably the Rufy and all. Entry 28 and entry 29 about the drink spiking at Calamities, the paper on which Ravi had written, who could have taken the burner phone and large capital letters, and the time Mr. Ward said Andy left his house. I don't know. When you read back on those logs <laughs> and kind of like correlate everything, there's only one person in there that's kind of more linked, and that's Becca. Yeah, or at least has, that definitely has access yes. to all of those things. 
Yeah. Yeah. With the whole burner phone situation, and when Pip probably, like, confronted her about, like, you, did you know that Andy was dealing drugs? She probably knew the entire time. And was just yeah, playing she that, totally did. you know, like, I don't know what you're talking about um, kind of thing. So, I don't know. Yeah. When, I, when I stopped and actually read back to those pages, then I was like, it's Becca! <laughs> and scared Lacey. <laughs> I didn't look back, and I think that's what did me in. I was like, nah, that's fine. I'm like, the book will spell it out for me. If you become a detective, <laughs> I feel like you're going to get fired. <laughs> Dang! No, see, when we are our three superhero detective team, I'm going to make you two do all the legwork. Oh, wow. And I'm going to be the face. <laughs> and you're just going to kick back and be like, yeah, just agree the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry for going on through that roadmap, by the way. I was like trying to like kind of think about those log entries and what they all were about, but they're not specific. No, the, that was the point of the log entries, is so that you can yeah. like, go back and you know connect those dots. So it was good to kind of recap that. I, I just thought it was fun. Like what I said before in the first episode, this was kind of like solving a puzzle. And it was, yeah, it was very intriguing. It was just kind of like a game. <laughs> Honestly, it mm-hmm. felt like a hunt a killer. Yes. Again, and another outstanding um, declaration of lack of personal safety <laughs> and lack of boundaries. She goes to the bell house. Which I thought was right. the dumbest thing she could have ever done. Like, come on. You know that this one's more dangerous. I suspect that this person's a killer. I'm gonna go to their house. <laughs> you know Becca's more dangerous. Like, she is more dangerous than Mr. Ward. Let's just say, like, she's silent but deadly. Right. Yeah. Becca lets her in and Pip's like the, you know, how's your family doing? How's everyone holding up and everything? Becca asks if she wants tea. And I put a side note here and I said, no, no it's poison. Exactly. Like any time, <laughs> like somebody going to offer you tea like that. Like what time of day was this again? It was like, like nighttime. Yeah. Like, no, no, especially. Not when a you... suspect in a murder case. I'm not going to accept tea from them. <laughs> I know. It just makes me think of like the Dahmer thing where, um, his neighbor, like, he gave his neighbor a sandwich and was, like, trying to oh, demand yeah. her to eat yeah. it. Like, hell no. That she's not and she was smart. <laughs> she was like, I'm yeah, not doing like, that. Uh, like, I've been smelling what you're cooking over there, you freaking murderer. Yeah. I don't want mm-hmm. your murdered sandwich. I don't want your murdered <laughs> human sandwich with organs and shit in it. Yeah. Jeez. Ravi texts her, but she ignores it because she has... Is not interested in saving herself at all. He still knows where she's, no, where she's is, like where she is, though, yeah, because of that tracking app. So it's not like yeah. I forgot that. It's not like I, I feel like when she kept ignoring his text that he's just gonna go find her anyway. <laughs> like, of course, because he shows up. That's what Ravi does. He just shows up. I love that you were paying attention to all the details, and I was. It's not. a murder mystery novel. You have to pay attention to the details. <laughs> <laughs> Every detail matters. Yes. Becca gets a tissue, and I was like, no, don't let her get a tissue. It must be poison, is literally my note. <laughs> All of it's poison. All of it. Might be a poison tissue. I was very focused on this poison. I was thinking we are going to do, like, a Game of Thrones, like, red wedding kind of shit. Have, like, some kind of chloroform in it. You're, you're, Basically. You're screwed. Yes. This is not important to the plot at all, but I feel a need to point it out. The black cat jumps on the table. And I was like, oh, Maybe the cat recognizes uh, Pip from her earlier break-in at the house. So that's yeah, what I thought. That's true. Yeah. Like, come on, cat, don't, like, give it away. 
Yeah, get out of here, cat. Becca says that her mom is in rehab because she basically had, like, an emotional collapse after Andy wasn't Andy, and her dad is just, like, pissed and wants to sue everyone. Yeah. And Pip was like, well, you, how are you holding up? Because you look scared and confused because you killed her, right? And I'm like, okay, that's a big jump. I, like, still wasn't on board. I know, it's so bold. She's just like, you freaking did it, Becca. I know what you did. Like, she just literally unleashes on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, whoa, 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 she's gonna kill you, right? Yeah, I'm like, you should be a little bit more delicate with this. She tells Becca that she went to a party and got raped by Max and didn't know what happened, but bought Plan B with Jess and Jess thought that Becca was keeping secrets or being embarrassed and not like drugged and didn't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that trauma and distance from her friend led to self harm. Um, and then I have a note that says, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> now that it's been spelled out for you. Yeah. Now that it's spelled out for me, I get it. Yeah. I know what happened. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's <so> crazy. <laughs> Becca wanted to find out what happened to herself at the party, and she found out Andy was selling drugs at parties. But she said that she only found out that Andy was selling weed, so she snuck and found the burner phone in the stash of drugs and cash, and Max was mentioned by name in a text that she sold roofies to him. She wanted to make amends with her sister. And apparently the time that she chose to do this also happened to be the night that Andy went to go confront Elliot. And she just came back home from having a concussion, most likely. And mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all have ever interacted with someone with a concussion. Mm-mm. I've had a concussion <laughs> a couple times. Oh my God. Yeah, people are really strange when yeah. they have concussions. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you aren't yourself, obviously. Like, you're not, like, you're not in any kind of coherent space. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. almost like being drunk, but not really. Like, it's kind of hard to describe. It's, yeah, it's like you're, you're very fuzzy in Mm -hmm. many different ways. Like, emotionally and, like, logically, of course. Um, Even, like, your vision, like, you, the reason why they say, like, you don't look at screens is because like your eyes can't focus and so you're just mm. gonna hurt yourself even more also why they say don't go to sleep <laughs> when you, oh, gotcha. like, right when you get concussed you, you shouldn't go to sleep because then you have a higher um uh, propensity to go into a coma so oh it's a really severe thing <laughs> david had a concussion last december and like he's already like just as a person he's kind of moody yeah. um but it was just like it was like night. Like I would be talking to him, and I'd be talking, talking, talking. He's suddenly super pissed. It was really strange, and yeah. And I would be like, "Do you want a nap?" And he'd be like, "Yes." And he'd like oh. go like lay down, and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> I love it. He's like, "Yes, yes I do." Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Go to sleep. Yeah. It's just like the strangest thing. That makes sense. There's like a maybe like some for some there's like a form of like regression and like how you can emotionally regulate or something or like be able to communicate. Yeah, there was like not much emotional regulation, which I think was kind of the case with Andy too. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. She came back home from the wards and basically Becca like was like, Why'd you do this? Like here's what happened, like can we still be like sisters and friends or whatever? And she's like, Becca, I don't really care. And you should be happy that someone wanted you. And I was like, Ooh, Whoa. Yeah. That was really harsh and bad. Not great. Not great. Where's there a parent when you need one? Oh wait, they're not there. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, and also their parents are the worst. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So honestly, their parents wouldn't have done any good. The parents were at the dinner party till 1245, because that's the time that dinner parties end, apparently. Right, that's crazy. No, they were raging. Till- All right. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Too late. Too late. I want to be on home. They were, they were at some kind of, like, swingers club, probably. They, but they were. Probably were, actually. Because they are, honestly, because I forget who, what interview it was or who she was talking to, where they were talking about the, um, the family's dynamic and how just how cruel they were to each other. Just how the dad would always say some stuff and the mom would just, you know, let it happen. That whole family needed therapy, some family therapy Mm -hmm. time, and that never happened. That was a toxic Mm -hmm. household. So honestly, even if they were there, it wouldn't have helped. (laughs) Yes. No. Obviously, this led to like an altercation between them. Becca pushed Andy down hard, and it sounded like she was seizing or choking on something. Oh yeah, I was like, does she have a seizure? But she ended up throwing, throwing up, and choking on her vomit. Yeah. And she died. Um, and then Becca realized, like, after the fact that she was dead and she tried to help, which made me think that she was in shock. She assumed mm-hmm. the head injury was caused by her until the stuff with Elliot came out. And she said that plus the scratches from the fight with Becca, plus her parents knowing how much the two sisters disliked each other, made her think that everyone would easily pin the crime on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's like, gotta hide this body. So she put the body in the car and she was the one caught on the camera footage. That's why I was at, like, 1040 at night. Yeah. I also liked how she said that she watched a lot of documentaries and knew what kind of bleach to clean the house with. And I was like, what? <laughs> what bleach to use? I'm like, my true crime like, gal. What? I was like, are there different kinds of bleach? I don't know. I thought there was just one kind. <laughs> no, there, there, are different, there are different types. There's, like, certain types. Okay. Right, I'm going to stop. Okay, I had no clue. <laughs> well, Emily, if I ever... Oh, want to no. get rid of evidence, I will yep. contact you. Oh my Let god. Me know. <laughs> and she put her body in the septic tank of that farmhouse that she was writing her passion paper project about. Makes sense why she doesn't want that place sold because they'd probably like, you know, dig out that septic tank mm-hmm. and there you go, there's her body right there. And mm-hmm. they'd be like, oh, there's a body right there. Oh crap. And the case oh, would go back open again. They're going to try to figure out who killed her. And I get it. It made sense. Yeah. She put the car on Monroe to frame Howie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't think much about Sal feeling guilty. She, That wasn't part of her plan. Yeah, because who even knew that they were together, apparently? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently they were only dating for like four months or something. Well, also, like, apparently right. Annie never really brought Sal over to her house. She would go over to his house. Remember that from the part yeah. one or something like that? So she probably mm-hmm. had no clue that, like, she's like, I don't know who my sister's dating or seeing. Yeah. True. She got Pip's number from Stanley after Pip called Stanley the first time, and then she started following Pip, and when she interviewed Becca at her work, she got extra freak out and made her destroy her computer, and she accidentally killed her dog. She said that she held the dog hostage, and she let the dog go, but it was dark, and the dog wants to slip into the river. That is not a smart thing. Like, just drive to the street where she lives, drop the dog off, and then drive away. Like, she... No. Too close. She got too close. That would be too close. Pip wants to forgive her, and I said in all caps, why the fuck didn't she call the police or tell anyone she was there? She has the tracking app. (laughs) I forgot. That, but she doesn't, she's not thinking about that. 
she's thinking that she feels bad because she's like, oh my God, Becca's actually like a nice person. This terrible like stream like of circumstances like has occurred to her and she just freaked out and didn't know how to handle the situation and just made it unfortunately much worse. And yeah. Like, it's not your fault, but it is. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of a psychotic person for killing my dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I want to forgive you. <laughs> Pip tries to warn her that uh, if she figured it out, that the police won't be too far behind, but joke's on her. She's roofied. <laughs> That's right. Roofied. <laughs> she's like, her eyes, what was it? Because she started saying her eyes are getting heavy. I was like, oh, no, nah, she's going, she going down. It's all, it's all going downhill now. <laughs> Remember when I was really convinced it was poison? It wasn't poison. It wasn't poison. <laughs> it was drugs. <laughs> Still poison. Drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. I like how, like, during this part, it's like she's trying to escape, and then she's like, I walked outside, and there were rainbows and unicorns. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, what the hell is going on? She's, like, trying to escape from death, but she's like, look at the magical rainbow. I know. And she's like, oh, there's, like, hands around my neck, but, oh, no, I can't breathe. Shit, what's happening? Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, sis. <laughs> so Becca kept some of Andy's pills. She tried to like literally grab Pip, but she somehow made herself, I guess not somehow, but she made herself puke. And I don't know if that must have helped her get her to the state where she doesn't pass out immediately. She's just kind of like stumbling around. Um, she pushes a bar stool into Becca and then she somehow makes it outside and then she gets away a little, but Becca catches up to her. And then she somehow gets away a little bit more, but then Becca ends up catches her and, like, strangling her. But Becca pulls away at the last minute, saying that she can't do it. She's like, you're a good person. I can't do this to you. (laughs) Yeah, I wish someone was there for me. Because that's the whole point, is that Becca isn't really a killer. She's just, unfortunately... Yeah, I agree. Like, yeah, hiding a body. Like a product of her circumstances. Yeah. A victim... That's what it is. A victim of circumstance. And she doesn't want to kill another person. Um, And then at that moment, Pip's dad and Robbie come out of nowhere and (laughs) grab Becca. (laughs) I was wondering about the whole dad situation. But I was like, I guess Robbie is such a good boyfriend that he just like calls up her dad. He's like, hey, some shit's going down. We got to go. Well, they were going to go to the carnival together. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Pip tries to tell Ravi what happened because every three chapters she has to fill him in on what happened, but she's drugged and was almost choked to death, so, like, she passes right. out. Yeah. And I love that she's also like, oh, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to wake up from this again. Septic tank! Se- septic, se- septic... You know, right? <laughs> septic tank! And you're like, dang, she's a real trooper. <laughs> and then we have, like, a little epilogue where Pip and Ravi are, like, officially dating. Like, he kisses her, and it's Aww. cute. It's no, also two months it. later. Let's just remember that. Two months later. She presents her project publicly. Because everybody knows about the whole reveal of, like, oh, Mr. Ward killed Sal, and Becca killed Andy. What happened? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it turned into, like, a big media frenzy. So she, like presents everything and then she has like a nice gesture to like Ravi it's just like I could say all these nice things about Sal but like who better than his brother and then that's kind of the end of the book I like the quote that he says in the last like bit of this book and it said uh, or Ravi says 
But there was one final player in the story, Fairview, and it's us collectively. We turned a beautiful life into the myth of a monster. We turned a family home into a ghost house, and from now on, we must do better. I thought that was a really good ending to a speech. I was like, you go, Mm Rafi. Yeah, Yeah. because ultimately it was, you know, it was just like the gossip and rumor, you know, and the lack of good police work. (laughs) Which still makes me suspicious about, okay, like, again, we never hear, we hear about Stanley a little bit from, like, the whole Becca, like, how, that's how she got Piff's number, but at the same time, why was Daniel Da Silva shooing off the case from Ravi at the very beginning? Um, And why does he always do that? What's up with the whole package of Stanley Forbes handing that over to Howie and being like, this is the last time, and I think, and this is my theory, and this is why I want to get the second book, is I think that they both know about Becca killing Andy. I think Becca slipped because she was dating Stanley too, right? So she must have said something, but I don't know. I think they know about it, and I don't think they're quite gone yet. I think they show up in the second book. Prove me wrong. Mm. Prove me wrong. <laughs> we might need to read this book yeah. on our podcast. I don't know if I can wait, though, because we already have our book set up for the year. <laughs> so I think I'm going to read this, like, right now. <laughs> <laughs> you can reread it later. Exactly. <laughs> That's true. I'll write my notes oh, now and then, like, save them for the podcast later. <laughs> I feel like I want to crack it up to it just being just bad, lazy police work. And, like, I just feel like that they get so much flack all the time for not doing their jobs well that he just wants they just like want to shoo everybody away and just be like let me do my job let me you know kind of I don't know just handle the situation they're the professionals but uh, yeah it's it's hard to say I don't know there's some crooked people in the police department you never know <laughs> very true. I don't think true. Daniel true. De Silva is a a good like you know a good citizen in society i think there's some crookedness in him and i am not letting him down off the suspect list (laughs) i mean for sure you are the company you keep i mean if he's if he's pals with mr bell yeah Mm. that's like a really terrible person to be close with (laughs) yeah I guess normally when we finish a book, we do our rate and review of the book as well as plug any books we should read instead of or in addition to the book we read. So, Emily, what would you rate A Good Girl's Got to Murder? Oh, Lordy, I get to go first. Oh, I give it a solid eight because it it definitely kept me engaged, but I definitely had to work for it. Yeah, <laughs> I had to. <laughs> I was engaged, but I had to work for that engagement. And I feel like too, if maybe I w- able was able to have more time to sit down with the book, I would have been able to really like focus and hone in more, and get more acquainted with all of the characters. Because I think there was just so many moments where I was like, "Wait, who? <laughs> who are we talking about here?" So I had to backtrack a little bit from time to time. But yeah, I really like books, at least like in this format. So I would definitely read more, for sure. Are there any books you'd recommend instead of or in addition to? You know, it's funny. I'm trying to think of what I had a book in mind earlier, and I've forgotten (laughs) what it was. So come back to me, because I'm going to try and think. I can't remember what I was going to (laughs) suggest. I give this a nine, and I think it's because I was really hooked. 
I was just really hooked. I really mm-hmm. liked how it felt like a game where you were trying to kind of solve the mystery along with Pip. Obviously, my suspect that I think was the murderer was not it, but um, it, it was really fun, and I had a good time reading it. It kept me really intrigued. I want to read the sequel. I also like Holly Jackson's writing. If I were a lot younger, I would definitely read this book, no doubt. I was a little hesitant because I was like, is this going to really attract, like, you know, what I want to read? And it really did. I think her writing is phenomenal. And I think a book that I would read along with this, maybe that's kind of similar, is Where the Crawdads Sing, because that was a book that I read. <gasps> oh! Yeah, over that the was summer. What I suggest. Yes, oh my God. That's on my want to read list. It's a it really good book. good book. It's a really yeah. good book. Um, I definitely don't think Dahlia Owens knows the geography of North Carolina or South Carolina because there's no way you can get from the beach to Greenville, South Carolina in an hour just saying from personal experience but yeah i i really liked the whole because like at the very beginning of the book you're trying to like there's already like a murder that's happened and as you go throughout the book you get this like really like sad backstory and along with that backstory you get the murder in present day as well like the case and you're trying to solve it but you're getting all this background information that's kind of getting you to solve it at the same time and it's a little bit different in comparison to what's happening in this book, because you also get background information. You're going back in time, kind of, and you're kind of piecing the clues together. But they're both different in their own unique ways, and I think they're great books. So, yeah. That's so funny, because that is indeed. What <laughs> was that I the was book that you were thinking suggest. of? <laughs> that is so fu- I was trying to think. I was like, wait, I think we just got so much into this book, I couldn't remember what I was yeah. going to suggest. But yeah, it is a really great book. And yeah, I do like kind of the back and forth of going back and there are the time lapses and time jumps yeah I think you know it kind of like gives context to where you're going in the book and also throws you off track too which is really fun yeah the ending yeah the ending of that book did like surprise me and it did too really for me it. as well and I was shocked at the I end I teared up <sighs> me too up. it did it was a very good one and if you haven't seen the film oh the, the film, film is, is great it's on Netflix good. actually yeah watch it on Netflix Taylor Swift wrote a whole song for it, which is actually oh, really good. Carolina. <laughs> I love some good spooky folk. It's great. Know? It's great. I would give this book an 8 out of 10. I think it was like it was a very good book. I was hooked. I was really irritated writing notes for it because there was so much to write. Yeah. And there's so many characters. So many characters. My biggest problem with the book was I feel like I had to suspend my disbelief or, or like suspend my belief, I guess, for parts of the book. Like when she learned Photoshop in oh. like five minutes, <laughs> I was like, that doesn't like, seem you liar. Right. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We don't know what they're teaching at computer app uh, classes anymore in middle school. It could be like way That's more true. advanced compared to like what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, geez, she's like a Gen Zer. But so she's just this like high school kid. So it's like the fact that like she could like do all of this doesn't seem real. I don't know. She might just not have a life and spend all her nights on the internet, and that's how she learned everything. I mean, I feel like that is the true. The resources that teenagers had in 2019 <laughs> is way more expansive than we had. I mean, did Reddit exist when we yeah. were in high school? Have you guys yeah. seen 
their social media. Like, have you seen younger people's social medias though, and how oh, they it's edit insane. all their photos and like it's insane. Um, how true. like these girls do their makeup and stuff? Oh yeah. That's true. Girl, like, girls in middle school know how to do makeup better than I do, and it's because they have YouTube mm-hmm. tutorials now, and I'm sitting there like, yep. you know what? Mm-mm, I had to go to Seventeen Magazine for this. <laughs> That's, oh my god, preach. Even Throwback. if you bought a Seventeen Magazine, you had to wait until you went with your parents to freaking Borders and then go sit or in the magazine <laughs> You go to the Kroger, like, magazine aisle, and you're like, I need Just this new copy. Just walking around behind your mom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I just feel like some aspects of this book weren't realistic for a book that's trying to be realistic. I just I just didn't buy some of it. You skeptic. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical. But I feel like sometimes in fiction, like fantasy, you kind of have to suspend your belief. Yeah. To make it work. So call me what you want. Um, <laughs> it should have been true crime for you. You need, you need a true crime. Not a fake one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as into true crime. Um, I'm not a true crime junkie. Um, I listen to two true crime podcasts, and I actually listen to them more because the people who run them are comedians, and I think they're hilarious. Fair enough. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff that I go for. The book that I would recommend that people should read along with um, Good Girls Got to Murder is Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn. <laughs> she is a like suspense mystery author. And this book is about a reporter who has to go back to her hometown to cover an unsolved murder of a preteen girl and the disappearance of another girl. And she has to go back and, like, speak to her family, her hypochondriac mother, her half-sister that she barely knows. And they live in, like, this old rickety house. Um, And she, I think, it's been, like, two years since I've read this, so, like, my grasp on it's a little iffy. But I do believe that there are, like, time jumps between, like, her past in this town and then, like, what's currently happening. Very good. Kind of disturbing book. But I would recommend that. Hello, this is Editing Brittany here. We wanted to plug in our friends from past episodes to give their writing and review of A Good Girl's Guide to Murder here. Hi, guys. It's Rainer. Uh, I really enjoyed A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. I'm giving it a solid 7 out of 10, and I do plan on reading the other books in the series. Uh, I do also have a few recommendations for other murder mysteries. The first two are actually some podcast recommendations. The first would be the first season of Serial. Uh, This is an excellent true crime podcast with a similar setup to A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, uh, where a high school girl is found dead and the boyfriend is suspected. The second podcast is called Up and Vanished. Uh, It's another true crime story about a high school teacher that goes missing in a small town in rural Georgia. I also have some book recommendations. Uh, Keep in mind, I mostly read science fiction, fantasy, and horror. So really the only thing these books are going to have in common with A Good Girl's Guide to Murder is that there is a murder mystery uh, at the heart of it. First is A Boy's Life by Robert McCammon. Boy and his father witness a murder one morning but have no idea who did it. The rest of the book follows a year in the life of a 10-year-old boy with the murder mystery serving as a through line. Uh, this was a 10 out of 10 book for me. The second book is The Gone World by Tom Sweaterlich. Uh, imagine the first season of True Detective, but with time travel and a truly terrifying existential horror threat looming just over the horizon. Uh, this was another 10 out of 10 read for me. And lastly, I want to recommend The Dispatcher series by John Scalzi. 
This is a series of short novellas set in a near-future timeline where murder, for some unknown reason, has become impossible. People can still die from natural causes or freak accidents, but anyone who is killed by another person comes back to life. Now you may be asking, how then could this be a murder mystery? Well, my friends, I suggest you read and find out. Hey guys, it's Izzy. I'm here to give you my rating of A Good Girl's Guide to Murder. 7 out of 10 for me. My reasons are I prefer books that are in the first person point of view. They're just easier for me to read. And this one kind of reminded me of like a school project, which I'm not into. And also, it's pretty much Pretty Little Liars. And since I like Pretty Little Liars, that's why I'm giving this a 7 out of 10. If you're not a big fan of PLL, this book would probably be a 5 out of 10, and I don't recommend it to you. Uh, some other book recommendations I have, if you did like this book, or maybe want to read something like it, are Red Dragon by Thomas Harris. It's pretty much a prequel to Silence of the Lambs. Uh, and if you've ever seen the TV show Hannibal, it's pretty much that. It's very good. It's not in the first person point of view, but it's still a great story. And my favorite book in this kind of genre is definitely Darkly Dreaming Dexter, which is the book that Dexter, the TV series, is based on. It's witty, it's funny, and it's in first person point of view. Thanks. Ooh, if I had to rate A Good Girl's Guide to Murder, I would give it a solid six and a half out of ten. Or a, uh, I would say a solid 3.5 out of five. The reason why is because we are much older and the uh, the high school wannabe detective YA genre is a little bit too young for me. If I was 16, I would give this like five stars, hands, hands down, no problem. Now, if you want to have a book to read that's for a slightly older audience, I do recommend The Scholar by Dervla McTiernan. It's quite an interesting mystery and... I would highly recommend it. Do y'all have anything else that y'all want to say about this book? I just want to read the sequel. That's all I want to do. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if, if that book ha was as disturbing as Verity. <laughs> I still haven't read it yet. Don't tell uh, me. <gasps> not as disturbing as Verity. No. I have read it, and I'm probably going to read it a second time. Ooh. God, Verity's so good. We need to read it. It is Can't wait a to very good it. book. <laughs> I'm so stoked! I know, me too. Actually, I guess that brings us to a good time to, um, Emily, is there anything that you want to plug before we yeah. plug our plugs? Oh, lordy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, plug in some plugs. Well, I, you know what? I'm going to plug another co-host on mm Conversations, Megan. Let me just make sure I get her handle correctly, because I'm, I'm not on the social media platforms, but <laughs> I want to try and plug her, because she's doing her own podcast, yeah. and it's, like, really taking off, and she's doing really cool stuff. Is it is it our bell? Yeah, it's, like, the anxiety-ridden The bell. diaries of an anxiety-ridden yeah. bell. And, her, and yeah. her handle's, like, our bell 64 that's the one. Yep. Take it right. So go and check her out. She's great. She posts on Instagram. She's got, you know, I think she's on um, Spotify and all those mediums. So check her out. She's awesome. Yeah, it's a great nice. podcast. Love you, Megan. Mm -hmm. Kiss, kiss. I listen yeah. to it. It's great. 
Yeah, I listen to it too. It's I really enjoy it. If you want to listen to us cover Verity, you can check us out on patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. Uh, you can support what we do with our podcast. Um, I'm also putting out episodes of us doing Fifty Shades of Grey. We read it so you don't have to. It's just traumatic because <laughs> I have to relive that. If you want to follow us on our socials, we are at Fiddle and Pipe on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Facebook Fiddle and Pipe Forum is our group if you want to go join it. Um, we'll keep updates and all that fun stuff. And if you like what we're doing on the podcast, make sure that you rate us on Spotify. And if you're on Spotify, we have like a question in our info, like what you think about this episode. Let us know what you think. Your feedback is super valuable to us because we want to make sure that you guys like what you're hearing on our end and also if you're on apple Podcasts, you can rate it and you can send us a review again your feedback is super super helpful and important so yeah yeah awesome thank you for joining us for this super long massive yeah episode. thank you <laughs> you are a true yeah, thanks for letting me along for the ride i know i, I was like holy s- moly this is a big one but it's honestly been really entertaining Thanks for joining us for this book, and I guess we're going to take a week off. We'll be back on February 8th. With uh, Think Again by... Adam Grant. Yes. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, <laughs> Thanks we will for having see me, guys. Then. Of course. Bye. 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 Thanks, Siri. <laughs> <laughs>